Good evening, everybody. It's Jay Scott. Hook Rocks Podcast. Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope you're doing well. As I always say, hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. As we continue on with this crazy year. And this year got a little worse. A little more crazy. Earlier this week with the announcement of Eddie Van Halen passing away after a long bout with cancer, long battle with cancer. I had known about his struggle with cancer, I want to say about a year ago, maybe a little under a year, over a year so hard to keep track of time in 2020 because there's really kind of no time markers you know what I mean like in the summer you go on vacation and that's the summer you know you have birthday parties you connect with you know time because of those references and those time markers that you have so it was about a year ago I have a friend that lives in LA and has a lot of connections inside the music business and inside the entertainment business. And he had told me about Eddie flying to Europe for special treatment for his cancer, searching for a cure, searching for ways to battle it. Obviously, he was going through chemo here, but he was trying to find alternative ways of getting rid of it. And I know there were articles, I think TMZ reported on him flying to Germany. And there were some details in that article and other articles too that I read. But I was told by my friend to prepare myself because it didn't look good. And I thought I had. I thought I had prepared myself for the coming news that he eventually was going to lose his battle. And Tuesday I found out that I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. My son had come into where I was in the house, and he said, Dad, Eddie Van Halen died. And I looked at him, I cocked my eyebrow, and I said to him, you better not be joking about this. He's like, I'm not. It's all over social media. So I went on my computer, and I found the news. And I just kind of sat and stared at the ceiling, trying to process what was just announced, what had just happened earlier that day. I immediately went to my eight-year-old self in my parents' living room. I was home from school one day, and I knew my brother had Van Halen 1, the debut album, in his room. And I had heard all his friends talk about it at the park, 
out in front of the house as we were doing whatever. And I was about seven or eight years old. It was either, it was either 82 or 83. And as I laid on the couch, I don't know if I was home from school sick that day or I'd fake sick or whatever. But I wanted to listen to this. I wanted to listen to what everybody was talking about. I was curious. So as my mother was cleaning the house, walking up and down the stairs in the basement, doing laundry and mopping the kitchen floor, I decided to take a chance. And I went into my brother's room, grabbed the album, went, to, went back to the living room, went to the, the turntable, took the Barry Manilow record off the turntable, put Van Halen on. And I remember to bring the headphones out of my brother's room, and they were these big, giant headphones back in the early 80s that many of you probably remember. But I knew I had to have those headphones because I figured my mother wasn't going to like what I was listening to. I mean, up until this point, my exposure to music was Barry Manilow, Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, country music, and the Grease soundtrack. I had connected with Journey about a year earlier than that because, as I mentioned in my introduction episode, my grandfather was a lounge piano player back in the days of the speakeasies. And whenever I would stay overnight there, I would always be awoken on a Saturday night or a Sunday, or I'm sorry, a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning by him playing the piano. And then when I heard Don't Stop Believing" because of the piano intro, immediately connected with that. And that was my first exposure to rock music. And I had seen images of Kiss, and I explained all this in my introduction episode. So that was really the only rock and roll that I had been exposed to up until the Van Halen record. Again, I had seen images of Kiss, but I hadn't heard them. So, you know... Maybe I was aware of maybe the Beatles and Elvis just because of my parents talking about them. But I knew I had to listen to this record. So I went in my brother's room, got the headphones, put it on the turntable. Put the, I'm sorry, put the needle on the album and close the top of it. And I heard Running With The Devil. And this is the age of Star Wars. This is the age of your imagination just going, you know, just going wild at a seven, eight-year-old age. And I heard the intro, and I was like, wow, this sounds really cool. And then the bass, and then it kicked in. And I was raised in a Catholic school. So the word devil itself was scary. Because that's how we were taught, right? You know, devil, fear the devil, the devil's always trying to get you, he's trying to make you do bad, he's trying to do all this stuff, I mean, every day the penguins, aka the nuns, just, I don't want to say beat this into us, but just every day we were reminded of the devil in Catholic school, and 
how it's always tempting fate, always tempting you. So the song Running With The Devil, I'm listening to this, and I'm just like, wow, this is really cool. And I'm like, my, my mother knew I was listening to this. She would, she would raise hell, you know. So the song ended, and then I heard Eruption. And I remember thinking to myself, there has to be something wrong with either the record or the stereo. Because what was coming out of it into my ears through the headphones was something that I had never heard before. Never. And I was trying to figure out what it was. I mean, was this a guitar? Was this, what was this? And after it ended, it went into, you really got me. And I got up, I opened up the turntable, I put it back on eruption, I listened to it again. And it was just amazing. And I listened to the whole record, Jamie's Crying, I'm the One, Atomic Punk, Little Dreamer, all the songs, Ain't Talking About Love. And I spent about a good hour, hour and a half listening to this. As my mother was cleaning, oblivious to what I was doing. I don't know if she was on the phone with her friends. My mother smoked back then. You know, she was just, you know, cleaning up the house. And I remember after I was done with it, because I didn't want to get caught, I put the album back in its sleeve, took the, took the record back in its sleeve, and took the album back to my brother's room. And I remember going back on the couch. And I went back to watching Courtship of Eddie's Father or Leave it to Beaver or whatever it was, Brady Bunch. And I remember just thinking, I was changed. That changed me. Like an hour and a half ago, I was this different kid, and now I heard this, and all I kept thinking about was, I need to hear that again. I have to hear that again. My son and I went to my mother's house, still lives in the same house that I grew up in this past Friday. We went there for dinner. She needed some help with some things around the house. And I remember taking my son into the living room, kind of like I'm a tour guide in a museum. And I, you know, the furniture's different. They live in this, you know, she lives in the same house, but the furniture's different. And I explained to my son what the furniture looked like and where the TV was. We had an old zenith. And then in the middle of this, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, it's a piece of furniture that's got like, one shelf on top, one shelf on the bottom, and it was rectangular. And in the middle was a plant, and, on the, and then next to that was the stereo. So I remember where I was, and I told my son, I said, this is where it happened. He's like, what? I go, this is where I first heard Van Halen. Like, right here. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, you know, making circles around where I like, I wouldn't step on where I, I where I thought I had laid down to to on my back to listen to this record as I had the headphones in and the cord going to the stereo. So I'm like looking at different views of it. I'm like, yeah, right here, it's right here. And he looks at me like, okay, Dad. I'm like, this is where it happened. This is where I heard Van Halen for the first time. Such a incredible moment. You know, the earth moved from me. We always talk about how Eddie 
was so different. And made you know the guitar sound completely different than what was heard before. I didn't know what was before. I mean, all I had heard prior to that was Journey, Don't Stop Believing. I didn't know, as I do now, with my education, with listening to music for decades, what music sounded like prior to that. I just knew what I was listening to right now or what I had just heard. My brother came home that day, and, you know, he didn't have a stereo in his room, so every time he wanted to listen to it, he'd ask to, have, to, have to ask my mom, our, our mom, I should say. And I was excited every time he asked because I was like, I get to hear it. Even if, I, I don't know if my parents sent me out of the room back then because they didn't want me to hear it because they thought maybe I was too young. I don't remember that. But I know even if I was, I remember I would have to have my ear up against the door of my bedroom so I could hear it, even if it was muffled. Kiss was my favorite band when I was a kid after I experienced all this. But Van Halen always had a connection with me. They were larger than life. Several months later after that experience, I got to see them on television on Memorial Day weekend. I think it was a Sunday at the U.S. Festival in 83. And this was a big deal for my brother and I. There were so many bands that we had begun to listen to, or he had listened to, and by accident I had listened to, because everything that he brought in the house, I had a first row seat to checking this stuff out. It was Judas Priest, and it was Ozzy, I mean, I remember Ozzy was like the devil in my house. I had to sneak, my brother and I had to sneak Ozzy Osbourne stuff, Judas Priest stuff, Iron Maiden stuff. I mean, this was, you know, I grew up in a Catholic family, Italian Catholic, Italian Irish Catholic family. So the danger of the music was also appealing to me, and I mentioned this a lot on the podcast and previous episodes about how the youth needs to sense that danger of rock music, which made things more attractive to me and my brother and my friends when I was growing up. But seeing this concert event, the Motley Crue and Quiet Riot, Judas Priest, Ozzy, Triumph, Scorpions, and Van Halen. And I remember watching and Van Halen took the stage and it was just... Incredible. It was awesome. Seeing them perform. I I still have trouble describing it because I was eight years old, 83, which makes me believe why I think I was seven when I had heard Van Halen because there was was some time before the U.S. Festival. It was just... It was everything that I had imagined and more. And, of course, when Daley Roth came on stage with his assless chaps, my mother walked in right at that moment and 
was like, what are you boys watching? And we're just like, Mom, it's Van Halen. And she sat down with us, and she watched the rest of the show. And she let us watch it, which is really cool. And again, I was changed. I was different. Something had changed inside me. And I was in... I was on my path to rock and roll. That really solidified everything for me. Then came Kiss and Motley Crue, Twisted Sister and Quiet Riot and all those other bands. But that was jaw-dropping. It was an adventure watching that. And that's what Van Halen always seemed to connect with me was the wonder and the journey and the adventure. Prior to Van Halen, most of rock and roll was blues rock, and it came from the UK. And it was moody, and it was bluesy, Zeppelin, Sabbath. But this was Southern California. This was bright. This was party time. This was good times. Hey, hey, you know. And for a while... And some may argue they still are the greatest American rock band of all time. You know, it's rivaled by Aerosmith and Metallica. Some people may put Guns N' Roses in that category. But when you think about Van Halen, and you think about what it meant to the youth at that time, I mean, obviously they started in the late 70s with their first two albums, Women and Children First, then Fair Warning, Diver Down, 1984. But when you look at the impact, when we were growing up, people my age, I'm 45, they were transcendent. They were bigger than just being a rock band. They were part of pop culture. I mean, look at all the movie references that you see and you've heard and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Jeff Spicoli. What was the thing before the credits ran? Jeff Spicoli won all this money and was going to have a party on the beach and Van Halen was going to play at it. Think about Bill and Ted's. You think about Better Off Dead. You think about Back to the Future, one of the biggest movies of that decade with the Walkman and the headphones and Marty McFly, Wedding Singer. I mean, there's so many references within pop culture with Van Halen during that time and continued. I mean, Zombieland several years ago had a reference to it. You know, you think about even Wayne's World going back to the 90s and stuff in, in other other movies sitcoms and they were on Saturday Night Live and you know they were you know Eddie Filden and the David Letterman show they were they were bigger than just being a rock band they were painters caps they were t-shirts people kids walking around they were you know at the arcade Van Halen t-shirt remember the lion with the logo in the back painters caps kids would wear And then the video jump, how that changed for rock and roll. 
you can argue that the video for Jump brought more mainstream music fans into rock and roll. It was a crossover hit. And I don't know if that was intended. I don't know if Eddie intended to do that or they, the band intended to do that, but it gave, it gave validity to the music that I was listening to at, an, at a young age. I was nine years old. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, it became the Chicago Cubs intro song to their broadcast whenever they had a game. Every time the Cubs were on WGN back in the day, for probably a good five years, three to five years maybe, they would play the intro to jump. When you would go to watch them at Wrigley Field, when they would run out onto the field the first inning, they would play jump. I mean, this was Van Halen. So when people compare them to other bands, I know we do this discussion a lot on my Twitter feed, you know, the best debut album. And it's always Van Halen versus Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. And the couple times that we've had that discussion and done these polls on, on my Twitter feed, Guns N' Roses wins. However, when you match up the song for song, Van Halen, the majority of the Van Halen songs always win. And I'm not saying Appetite for Destruction is not a good album. It's a phenomenal record. It's one of the biggest albums of all time in rock and roll history. It's one of the biggest albums of the 80s. It has stood the test of time. It's got fantastic songs, not just the big hits like Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle, or Sweet Child of Mine, but Rocket Queen, It's So Easy, Mr. Brownstone, Anything Goes. These are all My Michelle. These are all great songs. But the difference between the debut Van Halen album and Appetite for Destruction is the Van Halen album changed the game, changed the face of rock and roll. And I'm sure there's, you could make an argument for Guns N' Roses and Appetite. You could probably make an argument for Boston's debut record. You could make an argument for Zeppelin's album. But all those albums that are compared to Van Halen's debut, they were a product of what was going on. I mean, when you think about Zeppelin and the blues influence of Zeppelin one you know they came from you know Jimmy Page started from the Yardbirds it's a fantastic album you think about Guns N' Roses and that was really more or less a product of of what was going on in the 80s at that time you know I mean it kind of changed the face of music at that time because it was really glammed up and they were kind of different you know sleazier more than glam but they had their Rolling Stones influence in there and other bands from the 70s. Boston, the production of the Boston debut album is incredible. But Van Halen changed the way guitar is played, changed 
the arrangements all into pop music, into other genres of music. When you listen to that album, you listen to other songs, and you listen to the harmonies and the arrangement, a lot of that's from Van Halen. Listen to the guitar solos, you know, the, 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 the parts of the guitar solos. I mean, you know, th that was different. It was a game changer. And none of those debut albums, I would probably say the most comparable to game changing is probably Zeppelin. And again, I'm not saying any of these records are are bad. They're fantastic albums. I'm a, my, Led Zeppelin's my favorite band of all time. But you cannot deny the impact that record had on music. And people like to say, you know, Eddie wasn't a very technical guitar player. What? Where, what made you think that? Where, where do you get that thought from? <laughs> when I hear people say that, I, I, I laugh out of just almost like pity, like you just don't know. You have no idea what you're talking about. Or when I hear people say, Eddie's music has no soul. Van Halen had no soul. The guitar playing had no soul in it. Again, what are you talking about? You may be able to produce a, an album or a song once you can fool the audience. Maybe twice you can fool the audience. But when you're selling millions of records, you're the first band to make over a million dollars for a performance connect with the youth of America and as they get older they keep listening to your music they still connect with your music and you want to tell me music the Van Halen's music has no soul music without soul would not have the impact would not have people crying would not have people emotional at the passing of of his uh, of Eddie Van Halen, if it had no soul, what are you talking about? Now you can just dismiss it as maybe you just didn't like it and didn't connect with you, but you can't deny the talent and the influence of Eddie Van Halen of Van Halen. Doing so just makes you look like a fool. When David Lee Roth left the band. There was a lot of pushback, and there still is today. I mean, I see it on my Twitter feed. I mean, anytime Van Halen is discussed, they call it Dave Halen or Van Hagar. Just think about what transpired from 84 to 86, and probably a little bit before 84. Gene Simmons eloquently tells the story about how Eddie played the demo for Jump for Kiss as they were recording an album. And they asked, when are you going to put the lead guitar stuff in? Oh, that's it, he says. As Gene tells the story. Think about being what was considered the greatest guitar player during that time and then wanting to record songs with a synthesizer without a lead. It started in with Diver Down, dancing in the streets, had 
some synthesizer elements to it. You could even hear some of the stuff, and I think, um, and the Cradle Rock had some synthesizer or some sort of organ in the intro of that. I could be wrong. Please let me know if I'm wrong, but I, I've heard that. And then you change singers when you're the biggest rock band. You have one of the biggest albums of the decade so far in 1984. And you bring in Sammy Hagar, who had a successful solo career and was in the band Montrose. You still call yourself Van Halen. And you record 5150, and that album becomes number one. Now, people always want to blame Sammy Hagar for ruining Van Halen. But Eddie wanted to go in this direction. And maybe that was the final nail in the coffin between him and Daily Roth, because I don't think Roth really wanted to go in that direction. Or not as much as Eddie wanted to. And maybe Eddie thought with where he was going, he envisioned a different singer. No one will know. Maybe someday we will what exactly went down and what was the reason. I mean, there was always tension between David and the Van Halen brothers. Greg Renoff's book, Van Halen Rising, makes reference that they never even liked each other from the very beginning. If you watch Joe Rogan's interview with Daley Roth, Roth admits it. It was from the, the tension was there from, from, from the beginning. But Eddie wanted to go in that direction, and Sammy came in. And I like the Sammy Hagar era. I've always liked the Dave era better because that's what my first connection was with the band. My first experience. So, of course, anything that you connect with first and enjoy first is always going to be your favorite. But I loved those albums. 5150, OU812, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, and Balance. I know some people don't. It's a very polarizing issue, but I don't have a problem with it. I've always enjoyed both, listening to both. Great songs. The songwriting was different in both periods, but they were both both great. But throughout my childhood into my teens, Van Halen was a huge presence. And even during the era of, people like to say hair metal or glam metal, Van Halen never followed a trend. Van Halen was kind of always above it all. You know what I mean? Like, no matter how high the hair was teased and what some of these bands were wearing and how much makeup they were putting on, Van Halen never did that. Van Halen was just the party man. Every party you went to in junior high, high school, and beyond, at some point in the evening, Van Halen would always be played. They just had an impact on my childhood, growing up, and they still do. So when I heard the news on Tuesday, I was really sad. 
like I said, I thought I was prepared for this, and I wasn't. I know Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast reached out to me and asked if I wanted to do a live stream show, and I really wanted to do it. I'm having internet problems, though, so I didn't want it to keep freezing up, which I was afraid about, but I'm sure I'll do something further on down the line with some guests and some discussion about the greatness that is Eddie Van Halen. I think a lot of people were sad too, who are my age, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, because whenever we lose someone that had an effect on our youth, it reminds us of our own mortality. Eddie was 20 years older than me. When you're a kid growing up and you're listening to rock music and you're buying records and you're living your life, you don't think about death. You think you're indestructible. And as you get older, you see more and more of your sports heroes, your music heroes move on to the other side. You know, whether it's Lemmy, David Bowie, Prince, Tom Petty, Neil Peart, who passed away earlier this year, and now Eddie, it gives you that perspective that nothing lasts forever. Life will end for everybody. And as someone who's approaching 50, it does have an impact with how you think and how you feel. I know some people have said, I feel like my childhood died. I, I, don't, I don't think that way. Because I'll always have his music to enjoy, to live on through all of us playing his music. I mean, that's something that's so great that when you do pass and you do move on, you've given the gift of your music that has resonated and connected with so many people that in a way, you never die. 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, we'll still have the music of Van Halen. You know, my son, who's 15, who told me, broke the news to me, throughout that day Tuesday, he was blaring Van Halen from his bedroom. I've had an influence on on that and, and, and the music that he listens to. And then when he has children or when he gets married and has young kids, he'll expose them to Van Halen. And it'll just keep moving down the road. It'll just keep happening. His music will always exist for people to enjoy, to be wowed, to be, to give them the the sense of wonder like I had when I was seven or eight years old. 
I hope we all use his music to ease the pain that we're all feeling. I hope that we all continue to enjoy his music. And I know some people are sad. I'm sad. Use his music to help heal. Because that's what it's there for. It's, how, it's there for you to find an escape to heal the wounds that you have because of his death. I don't know what the future holds in terms of reissues of music or maybe music that was never released. I don't know. I hope that there's something at some point. Because a band like Van Halen deserves, the fans deserve to have as much from the Van Halen vaults as we can get. Because the music is so important to so many people. The legacy is important to so many people. And I hope there is a way for all that to come out. I know there'll be a memorial here in a couple of weeks. I think I read where he's being cremated. I don't know what that experience is going to be like. I'm looking forward to seeing what all that entails. I'm looking forward to that celebration. And I know a lot of people have made a reference of who Eddie's jamming with up in heaven. And I know people have mentioned Neil and other artists. But I have a feeling he's jamming with his dad. Because family was so important to him. His son Wolfie was in the band, as we all know. And for those that think that he was just in the band because he was Eddie's son. I don't know Eddie personally but I'd like to think that I know that he wouldn't put someone on stage who couldn't play. He's not going to do that. But it was great for him to play with his son and his brother. I know a lot of people wanted to have Michael Anthony in the band. I was one of those people. But you can't deny what it must have felt like for him to look across the stage and see his son and look behind him and see his brother and know that he came to America with nothing. He couldn't speak English. His family was very poor. I hope in the end that gave him peace. And I hope he had peace in the end. Well, everybody, it's time to wrap up here. But I hope you all enjoyed my my thoughts and my tribute to one of the greatest musicians of all time. Probably the greatest guitar player in my lifetime. And remember to just enjoy the music. Have them live on through the music. 
we have a lot of music, even though a lot of us are frustrated and disappointed that there really wasn't much out of the Van Halen camp over the last couple of decades. Well, let's focus on what we have. And it's some pretty damn good stuff. You all take care, everybody. I hope you found this as therapeutic as I did. Rest in peace, Eddie. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.